0: internet. I'm walking back and forth. My name is Matthew Kroll. Oh yeah, uh, uh, you in the back. And my name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film The Suicide Squad. And
1: we are The only
0: Podcast only about, about
1: Movies. The uh, first,
0: our <laughs> first show we made was called only, only Podcast About Movies, and the editing
1: was terrible. No, because uh, you know what happened is Justin Timberlake walked in and said, you know what's cool, guys? Drop the the, and yeah. just make it Only Podcast yeah. About Movies. And look, we're a bunch of schmucks now, because now the 'the' the is cool.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so.
1: Uh, Shahir, it's been we we did a lot of pre-records. Um, yeah,
0: we've been we've been traveling. We've been working. We've been we've been doing all sorts of uh, uh, life
1: stuff. It's good. It's good to hear your voice uh, all the way from wherever you are. Yeah. Likewise. Um. I do want to do. Should we do the only podcast about our travel experiences uh, after the <laughs> pandemic? Although the pandemic is still happening yeah, during episode <laughs> one. Yeah.
0: Episode, <laughs> episode episode two of the pandemic or twelve? <laughs> I don't even know. You. Uh,
1: flew out of the country. Uh, no, I flew to a, in the country still, oh, technically. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it is a part of the contiguous states. Yes. Uh, how was your trip to one of the contiguous states?
0: Oh, it was lovely. I was in Puerto Rico. I was hanging out with a lot of other uh, Nebula Standard creators. Uh, we, I did a lot of work out there, uh, but at the same time, you know, at six o'clock, rolled around, go to the pool for an hour, get a drink, uh, go to dinner. Uh, it was, it was quite, quite lovely. Um and a shout out to everybody who went there. there was, it was it was it was such a fun time. And I got to meet uh my it was there was only one person who works at Extra Credits that yes. I had never met before. Oh yeah. Uh, in person. Yeah. And that is our composer Tiffany. Okay. And it turns out she lived 5 minutes from my resort in Puerto Rico.
1: Oh wow, that's nice. So that's we awesome. went
0: and got like a nice outdoor breakfast one morning and it was just nice to finally like Finally, have the last like in person uh, <laughs> meet up with a with a with a crew member. It was very sweet. Yeah. Um, and you have been knee deep in top secret projects with with burgeoning technology.
1: Uh, yes, that is correct. But well, one of them came out last night. We did the show open for Wild It Out, which is a show that Fox and Co, my company, has worked on for the last five years. Uh, and we uh, basically got uh handed a weird uh brief that we were just sort of like confounded by but absolutely delighted by once we actually started it which was to make a show open for a hip-hop comedy game show which we love wild and out uh that was influenced by both mad max and tron and so we were we were like okay cool let's let's see how we can put these things together and it has to be 30 seconds (laughs) um so that was a lot of fun we employed a new uh, a bunch of new technologies on that particular project um particularly i think it was our first time using uh 3d motion capture Uh, so we hired a motion capture studio had an artist with all the dots and all that sort of stuff uh stuff recording um actions that we then translated into a 3d program uh and then i just did another project so my flying endeavor was i flew out to la for a project very very quickly um and we used Unreal Engine, which is the technology that is being used uh, on the Mandalorian. And yep. you will see being employed a lot more because it is basically uh, an alternative to green screen technology. Now, the interesting thing that uh, you would note, maybe if you'd listen to this podcast, I don't know if we talked about it, but in it's essentially the same principle of technology that is used in 2001, A Space Odyssey, uh, which is rear projection. Yes. Uh, and the... Benefits of rear projection over green screen technology is that you get ambient lighting um, that matches the element that is being rear pro- projected yep. into the scene, um, which is quite amazing. If anyone's in New York City and if you go happen to go to the Museum of Natural History, uh, look at the dioramas, which are essentially the same principle again. But instead, what we do is we remove the dioramas and replace it with an Unreal uh, Engine 3D environment. And that Unreal Engine is... Uh, motion tracked to the camera yes. which means that if you move the camera the environment in the backdrop moves accordingly so you get the correct amount of parallax and that sort of thing it's really cool it's a lot of data um, and it's weird because I am first and foremost a director but we're sort of having to because this is a small team Shepherd the technology of this uh, of this all and so I'm having to become a technologist uh, on this I maybe maybe that's overstating what I'm doing which is this I'm keeping tabs of everything we have to do. Um, but, You're post-souping, yeah, and, <laughs> and and directing, which is a weird combination. Weird combination, but it's a it's. I am actually very excited by it. And um, for example, there was an article in Slash Film yesterday about uh, this technology is essentially going to be used in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, is that what it's called? Love and Thunder, Taika yep. Waititi's film. Um, the Rousseau brothers recently ran a test with it on Unreal Engine uh, that you can see if you Google Unreal Engine right now, you'll see basically the technology in, in application. We're not doing quite the same level of production that that obviously Disney would be doing. Sure. Um, but, uh, but we're employing a lot of the same principles. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, to quote... Um, Howard Hughes from The Aviator, The Wave of the Future. Um, Yeah, it really does feel like this is the way films are going to be shot. Oh, Uh, do you see what you did there? Do you see what you did there? I I don't know.
0: You said, said, this is the way. (laughs) And that is the line from The Mandalorian, (laughs) Mandalorian. and that's the first place where this was big
1: commercially used. But what I did quote was uh, was Howard Hughes who said, this is the wave of the future, not the way. So this is a little different. Nah, nah, (laughs) I heard one thing. Um, so it's been a while as you, as you noted, it's actually been a while since we've, uh, since I actually had to sit down and watch a movie in preparation for this podcast, because we did, like as you mentioned, we'd pre-recorded so many things. Yep. We were hoping to pre-record two this week. We may hopefully get to that. As some people noted on our Twitter feed, uh, we've been talking about doing a Nicolas Cage movie by the name of Pig, uh, which is definitely still on the roster. Yep. However, Suicide Squad came in red hot. In our HBO Max stream, so we felt mm-hmm. we had to jump on that, really just for the clicks, uh, to 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 put it mildly. But uh, one of the things that I am looking forward to because it has been a few weeks since we've been together was catching up on some emails that people have been kind enough to send us in. Uh, people have been writing us in, and you can too at onlymoviepodcast at gmail or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Matt, should I take the first one? You'll take the second. Do sequel, it. You, yeah. yeah, that sounds nice. Well, the first one was actually one of my favorite emails that I ever received. we've I actually really? read part of this email on a, I think our Black Widow episode because the reason I love this email uh, was that it came. It was a very long, beautifully written email uh, from listener Jacob. But it came with an executive summary of every, topic that this person wanted to talk that jacob wanted to talk about and i love that because it's basically just a one-liner summing up their ideas but uh, now that we have a little bit more time i'm going to read out this first one which has to do with streaming services and the fact now that we are completely inundated with streaming services and as we noted i think perhaps earlier than that episode that uh the promise of streaming services that we would have uh we'd be paying less and not getting as much junk uh, when we cut the cord. But uh, that has not necessarily been the case. Jacob, however, writes in to, to chime in on the topic of streaming services with, I am quite proud of how I manage subscription services. And after hearing your call for comments on the subject, I decided to share. And this is how Jacob uh, uses streaming services. One, find where the piece of content you want to watch is streaming. Two, pay to enable that streaming service and immediately cancel three enjoy watching the desired content i started doing this when i realized i was hesitating to subscribe to watch content that i knew i would really enjoy the fact that i had to start subscribing and somehow had somehow been confusing my loyalty I was really paying for Netflix so I could watch the OA season two, not so I could access a limitless treasure trove of content for some undefined amount of time. And I realized the monthly cost was well below what I would pay just for the content alone that I wanted. This works for me because I know what I want to watch, when I want to watch it, and a library of content just confuses my brain and brings annoying cost-benefit analysis to what I would uh, prefer to be a simple choice uh, to support the art I enjoy. I would imagine that this works less for folks who so that browse for their regularly consumed content, and I also suspect that suspect that as the streaming services continue to experiment with pricing and distribution, things will get murkier um that is a great approach although one that i don't think is sustainable because each of these con each of these services there's only there's only a handful of these services and they're often you know you'll on one month you'll want something from hbo and the next month you'll want something from netflix or the next week you'll want something from disney plus so sure i tend to just have them all now i'm paying you know like there's an undefined cost that goes out of my bank account every month for these services yeah. um and we also sort of think about them differently for me it's like netflix is you know where we watch this stuff netflix is like a utility at this point yeah netflix is a utility it really is um disney is where we do the kids stuff uh you know like hbo is where we we'll, we might get something a little special um and and so on and so forth is that, does, does jacobs way kind of work with you
0: I mean, I I think it's very smart. I think it's smarter than what you and I do, just burning <laughs> through all this stuff that we're not really using, just to have it going, just in case something comes out. Um, uh, no, I think it's I think it's admirable. I think it's a, a good way to go about all of this. the The issue that I tend to have uh, is I here's what I try to avoid. I forget when a thing comes out, and if I if I turned things off and on right. I, I would get to that annoying point where I'd have to, like, at the moment of wanting to watch, I would have to do all my login, get the credit card, re-sign up, etc. And, yes, is it only going to take 10 minutes? You you bet your bottom dollar. Is that going to sour my entire experience, not just to be able to hit the button and go 100%? So I take the lazy route, and uh, I, I pay the price for it. I pay the iron the iron price.
1: <laughs> the uh, I'm sure the streaming services appreciate our laziness.
0: Yeah, so I, I, that's how they survive.
1: Yeah. Like, make no mistake. It's, it's th- the Gems do the same thing. Yeah, you
0: know? yeah. Uh, and it's a fine pricing model. It's, you know, whatever. Uh, not, not everyone can be as savvy as Jacob, and, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we just roll through like big galoots uh, dumping our cash at these things so we can get the next... Uh, whatever movie a week from Netflix or whatever. Uh, I, am trying to think there was what, isn't there, oh my gosh, there's, oh, there's like an action movie starring, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yes. I think called, I think called Mary. I'm not Uh, sure what it's
1: called. I've seen it. I've seen an image from it. Yeah.
0: Uh, I was excited for it until I watched the trailer and then I wasn't excited for it. Okay. Uh, because i don't know anyway we won't get into that but like it's yeah that's how we get all these movies is people forget to unsubscribe
1: Uh, Do you want to take the next email, which was a lovely email, uh, that I think really made my day?
0: From Anika. Uh, Anika writes, Wow, I just finished your episode on Inside, and I was super moved by your conversation. I think the ending conversation about now what, and then what remains after going through a year of deep trauma and tragedy, really captures how I feel, and also about how much this film resonated with me. Matt, I so agree that it is important for us to talk about this year, and how it's impacted us for those of us left behind. The way you describe the results of the 1918 pandemic and how society never really learned or healed from that really hit home for me. We have all been in such a collective trauma, and I have felt that the push to go back to normal, quotes, uh, has made me incredibly anxious. Same, 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 same. In addition, as you both mentioned, there is a need for systematic change to happen, and while I also have limited hope, I found hope in hearing other folks talk about it and that desire to move on to a better new normal not the flawed normal of before i really appreciate hearing both of your perspectives on the film and where those diverged which i always appreciate and i just wanted to say thank you to you both not only for continuing to do the awesome stuff that you both do but for getting real and speaking about things that matter i was moved and hope you know that your conversation really had an impact on me thank you so much uh nika that that was delightful yeah that uh that i i I responded as quickly as i saw that and um that's the kind of thing if you want to if you want to make me well up in the middle of my work day, you send an email like Anika's email. Uh I, I got I got a little verklempt uh, once once I heard that. So thank you so much for sending that in. And I'm glad that the discussion of inside uh, resonated. It, it was it, that's one of the, one of my favorite sort of things to do on this show. And we've talked about it before. It's the, we discuss the films, but hopefully there's a larger context either societally or just in the in the genre or or you know pop culture whatever that we can touch on different things that sort of are enveloped around said film and have it sort of be a starting point
1: for a deeper conversation which i think uh all good film is yeah and if any movie did that this year it was definitely inside uh, a movie that uh well you know we we had differing opinions on but i i still liked uh for the most part yeah Uh, one movie that i didn't like very much was 2016's Suicide Squad, and we've talked yeah. about this uh, at Noiseum. That was uh, one of our early episodes, um, a movie that uh, now controversially may have been maligned by the studio um, in order to release it. We talked a lot about on that episode uh, about how that film had been uh, recut. And David Iyer, in the re- in the wake of the release of the Suicide Squad uh, this week, James Gunn's version, uh, released a statement about how. Uh, the film that we eventually saw was not the film that was uh, intended to be seen. However, I don't know if there's more than more than uh, if there's enough room for more than one Justice uh, Justice League cut uh, in the world today. I, I have no idea if there is if if we can do another one of those things at this point. Um, but in in instead of that, what we have is another sort of tale of redemption uh, because of the circumstances of which the director of the film of the week uh, came, to, uh, came to be the director of this film. Mm-hmm. And we are talking, of course, of James Gunn and his film, The Suicide Squad. Before we move further into all of the redemptive qualities and all of the contextual qualities that make up how we got The Suicide Squad uh, streaming now on HBO Max, Matt, could you tell us what The Suicide Squad is about? Oh, I sure could. And you know who told me what it's about? <laughs> uh, was it Amazon? No. Was it uh, Facebook? No. Was
0: it was the it, Internet Movie
1: Database. Ah, oh, God, Seamless was my next choice, but okay, oh, Seamless would have been good. <laughs> I wish
0: Seamless did. We'll get on that. Uh Supervillains, Harley Quinn, Bloodsport, Peacemaker, and a collection of nutty cons at Belle Reve Prison join the super-secret, super-shady Task Force X as they're dropped off at the remote, enemy-infused island of Corto-Maltese. That whole thing sounds like a vacation promo.
1: <laughs> Not the worst vacation possible. I know, but... <laughs> Like, doesn't
0: it seem like that's a Bally's, like all inclusive vacation? Nonsense I do like giver? the inclusion
1: like, of the word infused. I was like, oh, so they so they slowly injected in this villainy into this island.
0: Nutty uh, con <laughs> let's look at let's break this down. They use it's the just term a lot, it's nutty a lot of- cons. Yeah. <laughs> they use super shady, uh enemy infused. I, I think the person had a lot of fun with this description who wrote it, or the algorithm, you know, whatever. Uh good on you. Good on you, robots churning this shit out. I liked
1: it, uh, so this i guess in the in the d c e u which is which i am always hesitant to call it, because i think the m c u signifies something uh more predetermined, at least something more coordinated than what the d c e u has eventually turned up being uh but i guess we could say movies that are produced within the d c the the d c extended universe which is what those um what those letters stand for mm-hmm. but uh, the The DCEU is not moving in the same way that the MCU is, which is that the the approach to the way the films is going is far more of a work in progress as things happen kind of approach would you agree like yeah well they don't have Kevin feige I mean that's kind of or a person that is in my
0: opinion uh, I, I don't know I don't know maybe they're not even allowed to like have someone who's in that position that can kind of control everything and keep everything under one umbrella. Um, and, and to be honest, they tried real hard in the beginning to do this. And I think they kept slipping and slipping. And then I don't think they're like even bothering to try anymore, which I think is kind of the right move. Right. Like, like stuff might match in some stuff, stuff might not. Uh, we have mentions of other characters that don't appear here, uh, in, in the suicide squad. But then at the same time, uh, we're hearing about things that have never happened in other films. Like, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't mind this approach. In fact, I'd actually now that we again I've talked about this many times ad nauseum. Uh, I think uh, collectively we only have room for one giant global-spanning mega corporation to tell us the same story over the course of the infinite time of our lives. So I don't really want a second one. Um, I kind of like the idea that we can have some of these that are kind of connected, some of these that aren't. Um, and yeah, so so. Um, And that means that there's a lot more room, since since they haven't been able to sort of, like, knock every character or every film out of the park, you can kind of take what you want and leave the rest. And The Suicide Squad's kind of a perfect example of that, I think. Um, Obviously, in this film, we have uh, a bunch of returning cast, including Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, which, again ultimate casting award Mm -hmm. i think that i i cannot picture anyone else playing uh uh, harleen quinzel at this point uh in 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 the flesh i will say um i think katie cuoco in the in the um the hbo cartoon uh does a really really good job that show is hilarious and if you haven't watched it it is definitely worth your time Mm -hmm. um But, uh, yeah, and then we could take, like, sort of the good bits and and sort of lose the bad bits. And as we'll get into in spoilers, that seems to be kind of exactly (laughs) what they did. Um, Yeah, Shaheer, I guess, what are your first impressions of watching a different team of um, nutty cons (laughs) uh, go on a super secret, super shady mission to a remote enemy-infused
1: island? I guess part of me was just really surprised at how much this felt like a direct sequel to the first suicide squad movie, Mm. uh, because of the returning cast, I guess, uh, I really did feel like, Oh, this was just, you know, yes, it's an entirely different approach and the successes of which are something we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but I did really feel like this was just a a continuation of what we had previously seen. Um, and, and I guess I was surprised by that because, um, of the hiring of James Gunn to come and take this material and and do something different and the promotional material that we'd kind of been given in terms of the way I think this, this film was going to treat its characters. And there's definitely, um, um, certainly a more irreverence, uh, with this film than there was with the original, uh, suicide, the, the original David Ayer film. But I think, I think what the original David Ayer film was reaching for is what this film starts with. And which is that sort of like somewhat punk rock aesthetic, somewhat sort of irreverent uh, tone and approach. um, And helmed by the person who had kind of made the Guardians of the Galaxy really what they were, a person who comes from the trauma world. um, And, uh, you know, really understood that, you know, someone who'd made a film as irreverent as super, um, which poked fun at the superhero genre um, quite quite effectively. Um, We should, I, I guess maybe... The context of which of how James Gunn came to this is is a fascinating discussion unto itself, and maybe we can touch upon that at some point during this conversation. Um, but right, I right. will say, for my part, um, the thing I I felt somewhat unconvinced by this movie for the first hour, maybe the first hour and twenty minutes, and then something happened, which was. All of the pieces that this film was trying to juggle over the course of that first hour and twenty minutes suddenly started coalescing into something that not only made sense but was collectively building upon what we had just seen. Sure. And so, if and I know uh, it's it's sort of uh, I, I'm using recent memory as a, as a way to shortcut my 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 feelings about this, but um, you know when we talked about Black Widow for example I think Black Widow was a film that kind of that sort of uh, meandered forward into a third act that didn't seem that connected to everything else that we had seen before and and felt kind of like a typical third act of a movie of that kind um, without much of the sort of reasoning for why we should be in that third act and the interesting thing here is that The Suicide Squad uh, lurches into the kind of larger grander than life superhero kind of conflict but does it with a kind of care of character that makes that that in my mind where black widow couldn't make this work this works really well Mm. and and i was actually quite struck by how good that final third is and how it really pulled all the strings together that I think uh, James Gunn had been working in the first hour and third uh, hour and a half of this movie and I I think there was just the sense of it and I guess maybe the reason I wanted to talk about James Gunn a little bit here is that I felt that this movie was a real flex and a really great flex from James Gunn it was like I can come in into almost any franchise at this point and really work it and make it and 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 pull it together because I know and care about these things mm-hmm. uh, about these characters so uh i was really struck by that i mean i think the film is a much lighter fare than than guardians of the galaxy which is fairly irreverent but i i i i have found revisiting guardians of the galaxy to be particularly rewarding um but i, I was actually just really struck by how strong a flicks this was and how how impressed i was by the flakes. You know, like yeah. how you know how how I think it works. Uh, there has been a little thing going around on the internet today, and I think we should address it as well. Is that? Um Essentially, this is the third in the suicide squad universe uh, of uh, uh, of the DCU. if we just if we just take into consideration that birds of prey, uh, the fabu- uh, fabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, kind of sits the uh, recalibrates some of the tone from the suicide squad and takes that character and recalibrates it into birds of prey. and then bring and then I think a lot of the visual flourishes and the and the stylistic choices that are made in suicide squad. Can be attributed back to the recalibration that was done in Birds of Prey as well. So I think I think that together with this really does make it sort of sense that this this course correct that is happening over at the the at DC, but on this side at least uh, on the Suicide Squad side and, and anything that's happening with Harley Quinn is really starting to work. Uh, I I wouldn't say the same about the uh, the Justice League recut or anything like that. But uh, but I am I, I'm, I'm I was surprised by how much I kind of liked this yeah that's good to hear I had a similar thing uh
0: to you although I think my I my jump on point I think happened a lot sooner than yours I gotta be honest the first half hour of this movie I was real worried uh I was like this is like nowhere near the level of pitfalls that the first film had but it felt like I was reminded I had these psychic Uh, the psychic scar of the first film on my mind. And I was like, are you just skirting around the same problem? Mm. Like I, 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 it felt very, um,
1: I I don't know, just off to me. Um, If I could, if I, if I could qualify it, I felt that everything felt labored and forced in that first half. Like I felt the jokes weren't landing quite as well. And I felt like the sort of assemblage felt forced. As soon as we got through, and we'll get into minor spoilers right now, as soon
0: as we got through, like, the first mini time jump, and we were kind of on track with the story, mm. which I think was around a half hour in for me, I was fine. I, I did not notice much of the, the joke stuff past that not landing or anything in that, at least, like, for me. Um it was just I think getting getting the setup getting out of the prison and getting it to the island and then uh, make like getting back to a present timeline or whatever because there's a couple little mini time jumps in this movie yeah um, that's what that's what really got me um I I purposely didn't watch a ton of trailers for this because Mm -hmm. I figured uh, in a film called The Suicide Squad that there'd be many deaths. Mm -hmm. And I didn't quite want to know who out of this giant roster was going to get axed and grinded, uh, you know, early on. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was always a very nice surprise as we went through, Um, you know, and, and the third act, while ridiculous... So, you know, you've seen probably in the trailer that there is a giant kaiju starfish uh, named Staro the Conqueror, by the way, who is an actual DC villain. I think it was the first – it might have been the first thing that the Justice League fought. Right. Um, And the thing that I liked and appreciated about this movie that the first one whiffed on so hard – so the first Suicide Squad had, like, the world-ending, beam-in-the-sky, ancient god battle at the end that Harley Quinn fought with a baseball bat. Um, and we've talked about that, I think, ad nauseum at this point. But the problem with that, honestly, was, you know, even beyond the fact that that is sort of played out, it's all about the tone and what you do with it. Mm-hmm. And Starro was not the in this film, was not, like, the main plot point so much, like the destruction of what Starro could do, Mm. but, like, it was sort of like the human beings using it as a weapon or a chip or, like, a whatever, like a bargaining piece that sort of made the drama until it got out of hand, and then Starro just sort of goes on a rampage, right? Like, so, and again, giant starfish, alien monster. Uh, But everything is ridiculous in this film down to sliced alone playing a CGI uh, shark hulk mm-hmm. um, you know so like by the time you hit that it's fine like the tonality still functions and like I'm on board for the action sequence fighting the giant
1: starfish and and the design of the starfish is particularly colorful and bright and there's yeah. something there's something non-threatening about that there's, yes. well, there's something that makes that playful rather than um you know like dire
0: Yes. Yes. And uh, even though I will say, on the flip side, if you like take a second to like get over the jokes and like everything else, like the concept and the tendrils and the like face mashing that like Starro's little pods do, is that out
1: of a fucking Geiger nightmare? Like, yeah, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's horrific. But yeah, but I think but it's colorful. Yeah. Like, well, the film is like understands its tonality really well. Like mm-hmm. it. Like that is one thing James Gunn has a real handle on is where's is the comedy and where does the audience sit for this film
0: yeah and the rumor is that starro actually was really like James Gunn was like kind of terrified of starro growing up right <laughs> like that he had some weird aversion as a child to starro um yeah. which is hilarious and I love it um the i I also kind of really appreciate and we're getting into some minor spoilers here we'll probably get full blown spoilers maybe in like ten minutes or so but I've seen this as a, as a complaint of the film, and I and I, I don't actually think it is. Uh, with a film with so many disparate characters that are kind of fun and interesting, Harley Quinn for like the second act of this thing is kind of in her own movie, mm-hmm. and people have like levied that as a complaint. I actually quite like it. Yeah. Um, it's like a little mini a little mini thing that has a real poignant payoff moment, in my opinion, followed by some some. Uh, very violent escape action. Yeah. And uh, I thought it, it it worked incredibly well, and it was a nice reprieve. It felt different from the rest of the film. It gave uh, the other characters something to do and trying to rescue her, even though she doesn't even need it. Like, there's, there's a lot there. I, I kind of like that little bit of, like, reprieve and side story going mm. on, which, again, does tie into the whole plot. However, it's not... Like super conducive to the rest of the characters' journeys, um, and and I gotta say, uh, I, I know I I lean on this old chestnut quite a bit, but you could just tell that everyone was having such a wonderful time. Hmm. Like people were just having fun on this ridiculous roller coaster nonsense ride, hmm. uh, and I think that comes from the care that James Gunn brought to it. And I, th- to be honest, the whole team. Like for instance, I, you know what I was thinking of when when. Um, Whenever uh, John Cena's Peacemaker was fighting somebody mm. in, this, in this movie, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. John Cena is an action guy. Right. Because the last time I saw John Cena was in the giant wooden action figure slamming into each other fight scene of Fast 9. Right. And, which was completely non-compelling. And, and I couldn't believe how bad that was shot and choreographed and put together with John Cena and Vin Diesel. Right. Where here, versus men his size-ish... Um, it was put together well, and there was style to it, and like it, it felt like a interesting choreographed fight dance. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh yeah. And then I, you know, it's funny because John Cena is one of those people I feel like will kind of take most any of the acting roles he's offered. Yeah, and sometimes based on the director and the team, it comes out great, and other times <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, and so I forget sometimes how good John Cena is at comedy, along with physicality and stuff like that. Right. Um, also, uh, I want to I want to give a shout out to uh, and I'm gonna butcher the um, the actress's name, but the who rat played Ratcatcher rat too? Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> boy, I want to dig that up
1: because uh, she was absolutely delightful. You know what I uh, liked about her character the most? What? That she was sleepy and just couldn't be bothered most of the time. I was like I was like that's me in these situations. I'm I'm that guy. Yep. You know, like if you wake me up, it's like oh god, are we doing this again? That's what I really appreciated about that. I felt like I I, I, I found a kindred spirit.
0: Well, it, it was just nice because like it's not that she's a super villain so much. Her backstory is actually quite compelling. That she you know her father was the first rat catcher and a criminal with a drug habit who was played by Taika Waititi. Yeah, it was Taika Waititi. Uh, and then uh, and then she just sort of fell into it and had to survive and got arrested for robbing a bank. The actress' name being uh, Daniela Melchior, which I'm I'm sure I'm, I'm butchering. Um, but, uh, she kind of stole the show for me. Uh, and again, uh, King Shark.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh boy. What a, what a, what an unexpected delight that was. It kind of felt a, a little bit like dipping into the same well that, uh, Groot, uh, and Drax come from Is sort of mm-hmm. felt, felt like within that world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will say it was the first, like, of the action films, I guess, or like big, big budget comic book movies in a little bit that I truly got lost in, in a good way even though i did like say enjoy black widow i've i've spoke about that quite a bit um in the podcast um i feel like this is a film that will reward me for revisiting it right i i am really looking forward to my second watch of it when i like i'm not wondering like what's going to happen next and i can actually sort of pay attention and look for all the little cues um that th- these films often uh my favorite ones of these are the ones where I sort of have that instant, like, oh man, I can't wait to like go back and experience this knowing what happens. Right. Uh, and I really, really appreciated that with this one too. Um I will say, let's see. What was the thing that bugged me? Um there the third act, and I guess now we'll get into sort of spoilery territory. I don't know if this bugged you, she here. But the turn uh that Rick flag has one discovering the secret of Starro and how the U S was involved with experimentation and like all that jazz felt uncharacteristic of him, even in the first film and these and the second one. Yeah. Like it just, it, 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 it worked, but it was quick. Yeah. And while I did enjoy the turn, I was like, that was the only time where, like, the mechanical bull bucked a little too hard, and like I had to like
1: slide back into place after the fact. If that if that makes sense. Um, well, I think I think there's a thing that that this movie is dipping into, which is the the sort of uh, global politics of U.S. interventionism in oh, in yeah. Latin America, and I think there's a kind of playfulness with which the film. Uh, exploits the fact that America is um, essentially the bad guy in, in, in many parts of Latin America. Yep. Um, and the scene that you described earlier where Pacemaker and, uh, is it did Pacemaker. Uh, pacemaker. The Peacemaker. Pacemaker. <laughs> 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 that would be a great character. By the way, just as a side note, did shot, Bloodshot, and... Bloodsport. And Bloodsport these all feel like the same person right like am i am i crazy when i when i think of that like i like will smith and idris arable's character just felt like variations of the same guy so
0: so, um caravan of garbage was talking about this actually and the rumor is that they originally wanted to bring will smith back and will smith didn't want to do it rightly so probably so then they're like oh well we're just going to recast um deadshot as Idris Elba. But then there was a rumor or executives were like, well, what if we want to make another one and we do want to bring Will Smith back and he wants to come. Yeah. So then they just made him
1: Bloodsport
0: which uh again, it's that's why the the backstory of both of those characters is all like daughter related.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it feels like the same story. And and yeah. I will say um uh, is Bloodsport is a character in the DC universe? Like, oh primarily? yeah. But so
0: his thing is he can pull weapons out of like other dimensions. Okay. Like so like what they, instead of doing that, they kind of turned him into a bit of like a, a a Tony Stark but with guns. Yeah. And did shot who
1: Will Smith was in the first one. Is that right? It's
0: just a, a assassin who can like hit anything with
1: anything. And Joe Manganiello's character in Be- death death stroke a death stroke is also a similar.
0: like i just look death at death stroke is is a uh, uh uh also an assassin but not like the the, the projectile kind of of that <laughs> nature uh he also this is so, it's so funny how it's all connected he also is like a trainer of other supervillains and a master of mimicking other people's sort of stuff. And then in turn, that's where Taskmaster, the Marvel character, or one of them ripped off the other one. I can never remember, but Taskmaster, the villain in Black Widow, is and, and uh, Deathstroke are kind of... Uh, cut this, from the same cloth it's during that time Marvel and DC just kept making the same character yeah, yeah. and trying to outdo each other
1: but but then I, I just I was watching that going oh this is just the same story but just like a different rendering of the same character like yeah. with a slightly different name
0: which makes it a little <laughs> bit confusing because it is a direct sequel they build it very clearly in the beginning to do that yeah but it also is odd because their story is so similar. So you're yeah. like, is this a reboot?
1: Yeah, it it uh, it, uh, it is what it is. But also, I think so. What the film kind of flirts with is this idea that that the big bad of the film is really Viola Davis's character, or or the idea that the U.S. Uh, is yeah. really the the uh, the puppet master in all of this. And the um, Waller, baby, and 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 I think. That's a, that's a really fun idea to, well, it's, it's a, it's a really, um, you know, interesting note for an American film to kind of feel that way and to kind of posit that, but then it's done for sort of. Playful. Ah, we're the bad guy. We always are. What you know? Like, what are you going to do about it? And then there's this turn that I think uh, that you were mentioning earlier, um, where the character kind of decides that this is really needs to be exposed. And peacemaker decide not Pacemaker, Peacemaker decides that he is going to he he then steps into that role of like I will protect uh, you know us you know the, the the US identity in order to do yeah. this. And that's where the conflict comes from. It, it does feel. The problem is, is that that is a big idea and it feels like it's a mechanic that's being used as a plot point as opposed to the big idea that it really is. And the where I think it does work is I think the film understands, again, tonality so well yeah. that, that it knows that, that there's not really the space to have that big idea in this film, which is something that I think what we sort of started seeing floating around the the first suicide squad the david Iyer film was you know this idea of tragic you know anti-villains mm-hmm. and and that film really couldn't develop that idea with any sort of s- sustenance yeah. and and so i think yeah there's a lot of this that's played uh, offhandedly. And I think, you know, what James Gunn or what the film is really interested in is giving these, is loving these characters and giving them emotional beats. And, and the, the parts that didn't work for me to begin with in the first half hour was this idea that there was repeated trauma between these characters that came from their parents. They all sort of talked about the things that, that had happened between, you know, like Idris Elba's character talked about the punishment that he endured with rats. And then, you know, um, Ratcatcher talked about the the trauma of her father having died and like it felt like these characters sort of all had that kind of collective parental trauma or or things to do with their children as well and I was like okay you know like yeah cool and it was the same thing we saw in Birds of Prey which also had this sort of idea of collective trauma that all these people had gone through with their parents and and I you know like but I but I felt like
0: what mm-hmm. other character other than Huntress had parent had parental?
1: Wasn't wasn't Harley Quinn had had something to do with her parents as well, or really. then, or there was this other thing that there was a young girl that was about to be victimized, and they, and the other characters were kind of talking about the fact that they had all been through some, you know, they had all been abandoned at some point, and they were gonna, gonna, like. I'd have to, I'd
0: have to revisit it. I don't remember that as a theme, but.
1: I felt like it was on the surface, but not really, you know, well explored in that film. And, I, and, I, and on this film, it was kind of surface level as well, but where it really worked was that what we get at the end of it is just a nice visual reconciliation between Idris Elba and a mouse, and a rat. And that reconciliation yeah. just kind of like tells us all we need to know about where this film's head is at and where and, and how it thinks it, it will work. Um, and and I think, you know, like it's it's playful and fun and, you know, and it really does work. Uh, I think it really actually does play for what it is aiming. That's, I guess, where you, you kind of talk about these films as, as hit or miss. This is actually a hit in terms of like what it's aiming for. Yeah. Um, and I want to step on one other thing uh, as well, which is that the the the, the hard R rating, um, which again, I, I believe Birds of Prey had a hard R rating as well. A lot of violence, a lot of decapitation, a lot of uh, uh, fighting in that. What I liked about this as well was the treat, it was how different characters, uh, the approach to not only to violence, but to their fighting styles, all felt very different mm-hmm. and Gunn was able to like highlight those in interesting ways. Like I thought one of my biggest complaints about the, the John wick series, for example, is that I always felt like every fight was the same fight over and over and over again and right. just keep, and just keep going on and on. What I felt like was working here was that the Harley Quinn fights, like even within the Harley Quinn fight, uh, there were three different approaches that were all unique, you know, so like there was like a firefight Then there was like a battle which involved like the sort of um, uh, Somewhat psychedelic approach in terms of like the way she sees the world yeah. um, and, and then it, fighting
0: with the Lance. Yeah, yeah
1: It really there was just a lot of variation in it where I never felt like I was just getting the same thing over and over and over again And then I like there was a moment in this where I was just like Oh my God! I please, please, and again, I, I I think this person is a lovely person, but I was like, please, Zack Snyder, just watch this and see how this is done, uh, because there's a scene where uh, what is the shark's name by the way, Manalao or
0: I mean, King Shark is. The, I don't know the I don't know the the name name, but his his supervillain name is King Shark.
1: But but like where the the rain comes down and King Shark rips someone in half and thunder yep. and lightning, and it's like that moment really plays because. Gun knows how to deploy slow motion and visual iconography for that moment, and not every moment that's come before it, yep. so that it's not special. And I was like, please just watch this. And I was like, I was so taken by like that is how you deploy slow motion and like and have this sort of visual moment um, and, and make it sing is by like using it carefully when you need it. Yeah. Um, and that really, I I, I was taken by um, how well this movie understood what each character could do how we should treat them differently and how we should show them at certain times there's a real balance there i do think the third act you know with Starro, is kind of you know it gets into the territory of like big overblown battle but i think gun has a real handle on who the characters are within that big overblown battle and i was like i was okay with it you know like i was okay with the way the world worked
0: and because it, again, it wasn't ancient god pillar of energy, talk it down, shoot it with a bomb thing. It was Harley Quinn leaps with the lance into a giant starfish's eye, has to swim around while Ratcatcher makes a giant swarm of rats to go and gnaw at the ocular nerves of like. There's so much weird yeah. shit.
1: But that happening. moment is beautiful as well. It is. Like, like it's it's really like we've built up the the javelin thing. We've built up this idea that Harley. And you know what I like about this because I think I had this complaint about my biggest complaint about uh, Birds. Um, uh, this uh the first Suicide Squad movie is that that movie did nothing to justify why Harley Quinn was in it. Right. Um, yeah. and and I was like, in this movie, you you almost have the same issue, which is that. Up against you know like a a a a, a monolith uh, uh, an ancient shark uh, that is a, a Hulk and that sort of thing like why is Harley Quinn in there but I think the movie like really understands what Harley Quinn's character is and places her alongside someone like Batman which is that it's her it's her instincts that make her uh, make her important and,
0: and it, here here's on your on your on that point. So the, 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 the plot of the first movie, Amanda Waller knows exactly what's going on and still sends that team in, yeah. right? And they're not equipped to do it. Mm. Like, they're just not. Whereas in this movie, them not being equipped... At the beginning is the point. She has two teams, and she does put Harley Quinn
1: in the team that is there to the be team killed. That's
0: probably going to get slaughtered. <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't give a shit. And like,
1: Harley survives. That's yeah. her instinct. That's her. Yeah. That's the way. And that's you know that that was the thing about this movie where I was like I was interested in Harley Quinn. Like in terms of like that's what she does. She 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 survives despite the odds, and she survives because of her kind of. Manic, frenzied approach to the world, and yeah. and that and and I think that really, really worked in this movie. um So I was, you yeah, oh, sorry, well, go, ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I was really sad to see Jai Courtney in the one role
0: that I've really enjoyed him in. <laughs> get killed, him. Captain Boomerang gets iced real quick. But as I, does I kind of,
1: I kind of like that. I think that he, you know, they brought him in and they were like, yeah. "Look, we're gonna put you in for like." Two scenes and then you're out of this, you're out of this entire universe. Yeah. And he was like, all right, I'm in, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like, um, so I, I think all of this really works. And then I think, you know, another part of this is that, you, you know, again, as I mentioned before, the, the sort of, um, w- what happened with James Gunn is that, you know, he was riding high off the success of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And then in the wake of, I think the Twitter wars of 2017, mm. um, we were know, so young, we were so young and so naive. Um, all uh, tweets of his uh, were uh, resurfaced by right-wing uh, conspiracy theorists or uh, bloggers or what have you, uh, who then uh, publicized those, which led to him being fired by Disney for Guardians of the Galaxy part three. and in the in the wake of that firing, uh, which I which we all have to admit was quite surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, d c. just said, "Look, here are the keys to the kingdom. What do you want to do? And I think there's a lot of this film, which is that, well, a lot of the characters are people who have been left behind. like Idris Elba's character is this guy who doesn't want to be a leader, who's kind of like left behind the world he's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, he's a part of and is thrown back into it and and succeeds and thrives. And I think I think that just thinking about where James Gunn is coming from uh, in terms of this movie, kind of just there's a sort of like, delightful resonance in that and why I think this movie is like a really strong and impressive flicks um you know that I that I was actually yeah again you know surprisingly taken by
0: yeah uh also I just want to point this out because I just found it it's a super fun fact did you know that one of the stunt rats one of the actual rats (laughs) in the film do you want to know what that rat's name is uh no it is crisp rat
1: crisp rat good yeah. yeah i like it <laughs> let's hope that rat never gets cooked for any reason crisp rat crisp uh, rat yeah yeah
0: uh, and uh, no but yeah crisp rat but <laughs> you say it fast and it sounds like uh, the tomorrow world star uh, also there was another one named jaws but that's not as fun <laughs> um the one of the other side interesting things and i don't fully understand how this is going to work or why mm-hmm. peacemaker is getting and has already shot. Its own HBO series,
1: yes, and that's uh, that. You know, like uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio meme from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where yeah. he like points to he the points, screen, yeah. and I was like. It, I had that moment when they were like, oh, we got to do a post-credit scene. And I was like, oh, bring this character back. I was like, there it is. I was like, the thing that, you, the thing that DC and Marvel just can't let go of was like, hey, we got to tease other things. I was like, I don't need this. I don't
0: so need this. So it's funny. When they did that, they're like, oh, my God, he had a severe injuries to his heart, but he's okay. And I was like, oh, it's Jack Flagg. I didn't know about the show. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, good," because I really liked Jack. I hated Jack Flag in the first one, but that's because he was just all there for exposition. Yeah. Uh, this is Katana. Yeah. Best not to get killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. <laughs> it's like that. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but this one, he was just fun, and he felt like he felt like the leader who'd been on a bunch of these things and was kind of just sick of watching his team die.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I was sort of I, I I did feel that the what what. <sighs> Was it implied that he and Harley Quinn were not attracted to each other, but they? No, they're buddies. That's the thing.
0: Like they got through that first one. They've been on a couple missions, right? Okay. And and Boomerang kind of was in that, in that vibe too. Right. Okay. They all had like that sort of like camaraderie, like because like Boomerang is like, "Halls, when'd you get back in? Like what happened?" And they have like that mini conversation, which is so nice. Yeah.
1: No, Uh, I, 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 I again, I like all of. I, I like. I like the way this land, There's a quality to this, which is that this final act is joyful and kind of gleeful in terms of uh, bringing together all the parts that it's been that they've been pulling together. Um, I,
0: I love the scene. I have to keep calling out things that I really liked when they're like telling Thinker like how it's gonna go yeah, on the rooftop, and that's where my quote is from. Like, like they're just walking back and forth, giving like you do this, you die. You do this, you die. You know, and then Harley's like. If you sneeze without covering your mouth, you die. And then they're like, Well, no, you're not gonna die for that, but that is not an open invitation to sneeze with your mouth. Open. Like Very, like this, very 2020. <laughs> it was so, so funny. And then the uh, Harley by the end of it just has nothing
1: left to say. So she keeps marching. She's like, I'm walking back and forth. <laughs> and it and, was just And and I think that's just a good like understanding of who Harley is in this scenario. Yeah. Um I didn't understand what the thinkers deal was yeah he was very underdeveloped like i just didn't understand like i guess there's he a can, lot going on he could he talk to uh the, str- the star was the,
0: he was the person that was smart enough to decipher how to sort of weaponize starro right and so like it Starro recognized him as the person who was like torturing him and running experiments on his children or whatever right like um starro's whole thing is it's delicate like every star thing it links it, like it does kill the person, but then it becomes an extension of Starro's consciousness. So when you do experiments on it, you're like just literally torturing Starro. Right. Like so, it's a
1: weird like double down of nightmare if you really think about it. the The film I thought about uh, a little bit, and the director I thought about was Guillermo del Toro, in terms yeah. of the way I think Guillermo del Toro would like find the empathy for that character. And I think, and I think this film kind of glee, lurches into that territory, but not quite do the thing that I, I think Guillermo del Toro would do. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, uh, at the end of, there, there's a mid scene in, in Hellboy with a, tr- with a giant tree. I can't remember the character's name that, that, uh, that the, that the team has to fight. And then when it dies, it's like a genuinely tragic moment. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, Oh, that's, you know, like I, I, I could see James Gunn getting into that kind of territory with this particular character. Well, even the last line
0: Starro has. Yeah is like, I was happy amongst the stars. Yeah, I was happy. And, like, and that's like, yeah, oh yeah, by the way, astronauts took that thing in yeah. and then brought it to Earth and then did a bunch of experiments on it. Like, yeah. And
1: I like Tyker's yeah. I, I, I like, um, line in this, which is that uh, if the smallest thing can find its purpose, then it means there's hope for us all. You know, like I I think that's that's really good. I mean, uh, Polka Dot Man really got um, (laughs) uh, Polka Dot Man really got the short end of the stick on that one. But but, you know, like I I liked where uh, this film was kind of um, was willing to dispense with characters and dispense with our, uh, who we think was going to survive and not survive, uh, through this. I think, I think that works really well. Matt, I have another question for you, which is, uh, something that I, I remember you bringing up in Birds of Prey, which was that, and it's actually, you've brought it up a couple times, was, uh, Birds of Prey, you didn't feel was a superhero film. Did you, did you, did that thought cross your mind with this?
0: Uh, this I definitely felt like, there's just so many powers flying around, like, uh, Birds of Prey, uh, felt quite grounded Mm -hmm. uh birds of prey is a you know is in that same sort of like actually it's even a little less i would say depending on which character you're dealing with but like daredevil Mm -hmm. like the the tv show like yeah he's he has uh, an ability but it's really like martial arts and you're not fighting you know aliens or super tech things or like whatever um so i you know i i felt like this uh i felt like this was a hundred percent a super? I mean, because it, it, it's even leaning in more so than Harley Quinn or a few others into like the actual mythos. Like they're 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 literally calling them supervillains, right? Like in the movie, right? Like that to me is a pure like ah yeah. Like and I mean, uh, you know, small things too. Like one of bl- uh, blood sports. Uh, like why he's in prison is he fucking put Superman in the ICU with the kryptonite bullet. And I was like, shit, all right, well, you're dropping soups in this nonsense now. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I did. I felt like, I felt like this one was, uh, through and through felt like that to me. Right. Okay. Um, but, you know, to each their own, it always feels a little different depending on what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I, you know, again, uh, using recent memory, um, Um, I, I think this succeeds in ways that I, uh, have not been enamored by with other films. Uh, so I was really, uh, struck by that and I, you know, and I, and I would gleefully recommend this as, uh, as a fun watch.
0: I would as well. I'm actually, uh, it's funny, Jamie just walked into the apartment Mm -hmm. Uh, I at some point, I, the more I've been talking about it, I was debating if I thought that she would like it, and I actually think she very much would. I think this would be a movie that uh, would be something she would enjoy, and I'm looking forward to rewatching it, possibly with her if she'd like to. Uh. So I too, I, too, would suggest it, not only to my better half, but to everyone out there who is listening to us and still debating whether or not they would like to see this movie, uh it's uh it's a good time it's very funny i i did laugh out loud quite a few times hmm. um and uh, uh you know at the very least you get to see i I'll, I'll say this <laughs> corporate or like or governmental bureaucracy dropping the ball over and over and over again <laughs> like they don't know that the weasel the weasel can't swim. They don't know like no or do, one's done there or, or do they or do don't they get, and don't care or you know, they don't give a shit. But yeah. like or or like that Idris Elba's character uh, has a rat phobia where they team him up. You know like there's there's stuff. Yeah. So uh, it's just very funny that you're like it's exactly how the government agency if they if they ran Task Force X or the Suicide Squad how they would run things. Like it just. Under the table, no oversight, no one gives a shit, but they're definitely taking bets. Yeah, like yeah. it just felt, it felt like uh, true to to the darkest timeline which we are slowly sliding toward. So, <laughs> uh, with that in mind, uh, I will say yes, watch it. And this has been the only podcast about the film The Suicide Squad. Uh, Shahir, when you are not, uh doing uh, black ops missions where you probably won't come home in fictitional latin american countries where
1: can folks find you that actually sounds like your bio at this point because you just got back from puerto rico but you you, you'll find me playing twister with my polka dots on my website at www.sharetaud.com that's s-h-a-h-a-r-d-a-u-d matt when you are not mimicking other people's bios or enforcing your own onto other people where can people find you you can find me reading book
0: uh, over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram, or M S K on Twitter. Uh, I believe next week we will be doing
1: Pig, right? We will, we will try to... We I feel like we've pushed Pig aside... We've pushed the poor little piggy aside one too many times. I would, you know, like, I would... Just in my brain, there's a documentary that came out last year called Gunda, uh, which is basically, I think it's a 40 minute or one hour black and white uh, day in the life of a pig on a farm. And oh, it's, just, it, it's, it's really, uh, from what I've seen of it, it just looks beautiful. Sure. Uh, and it's just like, just look at these animals and just kind of be with those. And I would I would love to do like a double feature of Gunda and Peg, uh together. But I also I, I watched the little uh behind the scenes thing that popped up on my feed of, of Nicolas Cage getting into character as a chef and like it felt like you know like he was cooking for the first time or something like that like he was something yeah and he was like using it to build his character and he was like oh this is what cooking is this is why people love cooking and I was like I don't know if you needed to like (laughs) like go work with a chef to like know that but it it felt like it was new for him and whether he was just expressing the joy of doing it uh, I don't know but it was I was like all the more intrigued to see the film right right um, right for that also I uh Italy has a thing once a year where they have uh, they fly in truffles from Italy, uh, and you have a thing. So I love uh, I love it when that part of the year comes around, and then I can't do it anymore. So uh, hopefully we'll get uh, that with a little bit of Nicolas Cage and some uh, truffle pigs.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair mm-hmm. enough. And uh, I know we're thinking about doing the Green Knight. If we can, we got a lot of stuff sort of mm-hmm. coming up uh, in the works. Um, mm-hmm. So. Stay tuned to your OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com email address. That's where you can email us and ask us, hey, what are you doing? And we'll be like, I don't know. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, or you can ask, we can talk about Suicide Squad. We can talk about any of the films we're, we're going to go to. Or you can follow us at Pod and tweet at us and let us know what you think we should be talking about. Um, with that, I will let Shahir go back from whence he came to the technological mm-hmm. wonderment of filmmaking. And I will go to bed.
1: Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, that that was that was the worst flicks that you had there. You get to go to bed. Yeah. That's like a real power. That's yeah. a, that's a real well, dick you know, movie. you
0: know, no. Uh, you'll get to sleep eventually Not really. once once all that metadata is taken care of. <laughs>
1: uh, all right,
0: everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.